Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Close Talking. I'm Jack Rossiter Mumley, one of your co-hosts. And I'm, well, Connor Rector Stratton. How are everyone? There it goes. Speaking of falsetto. Terrible. Hey, it's Connor Jack. I, I almost forgot to say my name, so just I, however you say it, that's good. Because uh, I, I really did. I was just like, oh, here we are. Um, today, we got a great one for you. It is called Poplar Street by Chen Chen. Uh, he is blowing up all over the place, super, super big time. Uh, won the Joyce Carol Oates Award in 2011, long listed for the National Book Award in 2017 for When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a List of Future Possibilities. Just doing some great stuff and getting recognized for it, which is also pretty great. This poem, Poplar Street, Jack Picked Out, was published in Poetry Magazine in yeah. 2015, and it is really good. Yeah, June of 2015, coming straight at you from Poetry Magazine. Uh, Ooh, a little couplet for your troubles. Yeah, more like 20 magazine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, coming at you live from 2018. Here we go. Uh, anyway, this is Poplar Street by Chen Chen. Oh, uh, sorry. Hello. Are you on your way to work, too? I was just taken aback by how you also have a briefcase, also small and brown. I was taken by how you seem secretly to love everything. Are you my new coworker? Oh, I see. No. Still good to meet you. I'm trying out this thing where it's good to meet people. Maybe beyond briefcases, we have some things in common. I like jelly beans. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of farting, even around people I love. Do you think your mother loves you when you fart? Does your mother love you all the time? Have you ever doubted? I like that the street we're on is named after a tree, when there are none, poplar or otherwise. I wonder if a tree has ever been named after a street, whether that worked out. If I were a street, I hope I'd get a good name, not main or one way. One night, I ran out of an apartment down North Pleasant Street. It was soft and neighborly with pines and oaks. It felt too hopeful after what happened. After my mother's love became doubtful. After I told her I liked a boy and she wished I'd never been born. After she said she was afraid of me, terrified I might infect my brothers with my abnormality. Sometimes, parents and children become the most common strangers. Eventually, a street appears where they can meet again. Or not. I've doubted my own love for my mother. I doubt. Do I have to forgive in order to love? Or do I have to love for forgiveness to even be possible? What do you think? I'm trying out this thing where questions about love and forgiveness are a form of work I'd rather not do alone. I'm trying to say, let's put our briefcases on our heads in the sudden rain and continue meeting as if we've just been given our names. That's a good one. What a great poem. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There's there's a whole lot going on. I don't know. Where do you want to start? Oh man. Um gosh. Uh well, for one, this poem is funny. I it mean, is very funny. 
it's very the tone i guess like to me the immediate register is its humor and its uh colloquial addiction begins oh sorry hello um that kind of talking brings us immediately into the spoken, like this poem is not written and it's happening in real time. The, oh, the sorry, hello, we're, we're meant to imagine uh, bumping into someone as the words are progressing. When it draws uh, the reader in instantly because it's, it's literally conversational. You as the reader are getting asked a bunch of questions right away. And you are suddenly standing there on the street with the poet. At least that's how I felt reading it. The first yeah, time. no, definitely, definitely. Um, which creates this real, even though you're strangers, there's this crazy intimacy that happens almost instantaneously. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And yeah, and that's sort of sustained. And, you know, are you my new coworker? Oh, I see. No. And then, you know, you're, you imagine you've, you've responded somehow you find yourself like, Oh, I responded. Like, I don't know. I did a little thing in my head. Oh, I did respond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot like, uh, even though you're involved with it, it's a lot like those comedy bits where somebody, you only hear half of a phone conversation. Somebody's on the phone and they're like, we have no vacancies. And then yeah. they sort of roll their eyes at you because you can see on their desk, it says like 10 vacancies or something. <laughs> yes. That, it's no, almost that kind of humor. Like a lot of the humor comes out of you not knowing your own responses. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's right. Which is like a great... That's like, this is actually even better than those comedy bits because it's like, you're, you're the one on the other line rather than like in the comedy bits, someone else is on the other line that you don't know, but you are. And somehow you're doing, you're doing something. The poem is suggesting that you're doing something, even though you don't have any idea what you're doing. And yeah. And that's just a really, that's, I don't think I've really seen that in a poem. Um, or certainly not in this kind of way. Um, and then it, it's just like, and, and there's, there's a, there's a, a great, you know, a lot of good reasons for this, but it's just very funny. It's hilarious. I mean, uh, the, and the line breaks, it's, it's, it's nice to see a poem use the tricks of poetry to be funny. I mean, you know, we got, uh, we have some things in common. I like jelly beans. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid line break of farting even around people i love uh do you think your mother line break loves you when you fart um and you know we are all like where's the fart gonna come and then it comes and then you're like oh it's a fart it's really good also even in that part which is the most explicitly funny the seeds of the more serious are being sown so I like jelly beans. I'm afraid of death. Like that's the first hint for me, at least that this is getting serious at some point, because those are on a basic level. You just meet somebody. Those are big things like, Hey, you pay taxes, you know, like they're, they're big. Like I like jelly beans. Oh, you're a Skittles person, whatever. You know, I'm afraid of death. Aren't we all, uh, it works on that <laughs> level, but it also hints at like, maybe this seemingly glancing humorous interaction is going somewhere else. Yeah, no, totally. This makes me think of the way that I found helpful to think about this is um, recently the writer um, Chris Abani uh, came to the U and, and was talking with our class and he's a, he's a great uh, novelist, a poet and essayist. And, but he was talking about 
narrative and and he he, he says a lot of like uh big statements that sound amazing and then seem quickly unverifiable but he said um the narrative logic of anything is governed by what the deepest wound of the protagonist is um which is is a kind of is kind of a way of thinking about how how conflict develops um and so for me i don't know if that's exactly always true but for me, it seemed um, be a helpful way to read this poem because the poem is kind of misdirecting you a lot of times and like hinting at dark things and then getting funny. And it's sort of like, why are we digressing? Um, but it, but if you think about it in terms of, you know, maybe what the deepest wound is, um, that, that I found like that a helpful frame. And, and so for here, at least I think one of them, maybe there's one, Deeper is is this um, this moment where after my mother's love became doubtful, after I told her I liked a boy and she wished I had never been born, after she said she was afraid of me, terrified I might infect my brothers with my abnormality. Um, I mean, that's, it's hard to think of, I mean, that's just in the poem, but also generally, you know, that, that sort of, rejection of the mother uh and because of your identity um and this that sort of homophobic response from the person who raised you um is just so deep and so for me it was i was interested on um, the way that the poem got there was revealing uh one example of this is right after that hilarious which is like the funniest part like uh you know i'm afraid of farting even around people i love and then do you think your mother loves you and your fart which is like sort of funny and then sort of serious and then do you think your mother does your mother love you all the time have you ever doubted and that's pretty serious but also but not yet the deepest part and still a question and you don't quite know where that question is coming from. But then right after we get this seemingly another misdirect. I like that the street we're on is named after a tree, even though there's no trees, like there are none popular or otherwise. And so, and so then we're, we've been given a little seed and then we're being pushed in another direction. And and but but those are sort of necessary, I think, because of the sort of uh, one way I think about it is because of the the, me the metaphorical apparatus that Chen Chen is using to make sense of this deep wound. Um, and if you look at the end of the poem, the sort of the big things um, that are kind of like used at the end are sort of names, strangers, love and forgiveness, and streets. And, um, you know, uh, a continue meeting as if we've just been given our names. And I think that one thing that's interesting is the way that the seemingly like arbitrary features of the beginning become 
the essential tools for the metaphors that Chen Chen is using to make sense of this wound. For, for one big example is the whole premise of being running into someone and you being a stranger. And then this kind of resolution, A, the, the deep cut of that line, sometimes parents and children become the most common strangers. And then the moment where this thing where questions about love and forgiveness are a form of work I'd rather not do alone. And then let's continue meeting as if we've just been given our names. And that's so great because it's like where we're strangers to ourselves in a way, that kind of given our names. And so the idea of what a stranger or what a new or fresh kind of opportunity for engagement can offer becomes the essential resolution to this wound. Uh, but it's sort of like set up seemingly in a, in a kind of, like flippant way. Yeah, those echoes are pretty powerful. Also the mention at the beginning of, are you my coworker? And then at the end saying, questions about love and forgiveness are a form of work uh, I'd rather not do alone. That echo as well of, of work and coworker and you sort of in the interaction, it's never labeled as a coworker, but you feel a little bit in the reading of the poem, like that's where you're, where you're at. Yeah, totally. Um... Yeah, and then also that redirect, you know, uh, I like the street we're on is named after a tree. That ends up serving two purposes. One is it leads into the sort of like literal event um, of the wound. So one night I ran out of an apartment down North Pleasant Street. It was soft and neighborly with pines and oaks. It felt too hopeful after what happened, after my mother's love became doubtful after I told her I liked a boy and she wished I had never been born. Um, so the street, which starts as just kind of like a little silly thought experiment becomes like how the speaker is remembering this, this sort of devastating moment, um, which is also further signified uh, with that use of anaphora of the repetition of after. Um, that's how the, I think the poet is sort of cueing us in that we're getting somewhere in, in kind of a subtle way. Um, but also that streets, it's kind of like the whole thing about them is their names. And so like Poplar Street is silly because there's no trees. Pleasant Street is silly because that's where the shit went down. Um, but, uh, and then like have trees been named after streets and if that worked out. And then the end is kind of like, you know, uh, let's continue to meet as if we've just been given our names. And that that metaphor works in part because we've been thinking about naming uh, without realizing it had a deeper purpose for so long. And it's also what happens when you meet a stranger, right? You don't know each other's names. You are two people meeting, and then you literally give yourself a name when you meet somebody who you've never met before. Yeah. It's usually your own name, but... You know, I mean, hopefully it's your own name and you're not some kind of weird con artist. Uh, but <laughs> that is True. how like meeting strangers goes. You give yourself a name. You say, hey, it's me. I'm this person, uh, yeah. which is kind of <laughs> neat. It's interesting that you mentioned the, the narrative logic coming from the deepest wound because that really is how it goes. And for me, at least the switch in the poem from the more jokey part to the more serious comes right at the, the section you just mentioned where it's, uh, you know, after what happened, 
after my mother's love, I feel like that line is really where the switch fully occurs. Because even, it's no longer jokey, but it was soft and neighborly with pines and oaks. It felt too hopeful. And then the switch after what happened. Oh, we're really getting into what's going on here. Um, it reminds me a little bit, now that we're talking about it like this, of uh, particularly the film version of Everything is Illuminated. The uh, Saffron Foyer uh, book, which is a very good book, but particularly the the shift in the movie from very jokey and very funny into gradually more serious, uh, which does happen in the book, but I think it happens a little bit more explicitly in the film version is very similar to this. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff that goes on, particularly in the character of the translator who uh, he asks Jonathan in the movie uh, if he was close to his grandfather, but he says, you are very proximal to your grandfather, no? And he always says proximal <laughs> to being close. You know, little stuff like that. It's like all throughout the beginning of the movie, there's just like tons of jokes like that. <laughs> and then by the end of it, it's this very heavy, meaningful story that still works. It still flows from the same places. It's the same characters. He still says proximal instead of close, but now it's not funny anymore. It's just, they're connecting. Um, and I, I feel like the same journey happens in this poem. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, and that makes me think, I mean, yeah, I love that you brought up the switch between sort of the funny and the serious. And um, it makes me think about like one of uh, poems and also uh, like on the one hand, I think to myself that it's sort of weird to talk about this poem in terms of narrative logic, because it's like the story, this, this, there's like the two stories. One is the encounter quote unquote with this, like the reader basically. Uh, and the other is the story of the mother and, and that, but um, but it doesn't proceed in like a like like a narrative like I went here and there was a conflict kind of thing. So, but at the same time, um, I think it you know it ends up happening. And and the way that I think that it works is in that shift. Um, and I think that poems and then also um, written prose too, especially when it's first person. The, the narrative tension, uh, which I don't think is, at least I haven't really read this much, but um, comes from the voice itself and some kind of tension that's within the voice. So here, um, the tension is between this oscillation between the serious and the, 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 the funny. Uh, and the kind of like, you're like not knowing for a while what's prompting that movement and that uncertainty moving you forward as as the sort of scenes progress um and that seems to be somewhat how the movie works and 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 that happens in prose too all the time um i'm thinking about it's like a george saunders story winky that's like i think it's winky about some brother of a who's going to some like like neo stupid like self-help conference and is trying to like you know, come confident so he can finally tell his sister that she like sucks basically, or like has been ruining his life. And, but it's all very internal first person. And it's just like, he's getting so like 
ready and he's gonna tell her everything and then like he gets home and he says nothing and basically oh i had a good day kind of um but the whole that whole narrative logic is built into the the excitement and the the um the momentum of the voice itself uh and also another i mean sort of a different vibe obviously but Lolita uh, Nabokov's works that way in, in a disturbing way where the voice itself is like very alluring and lush and linguistically exciting. Um, and that's what's horrifying is the like the, the tension between reading about a horrible pedophile and being in love with the person's voice because it's like just like one of the best pieces of writing ever. Um, so that's a good, and, and I think poems especially often rely on tensions within the voice because they have less space to build in other kinds of tensions like sort of narrative conflict or something. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And as you pointed out, part of what, part of where that tension comes from is the fact that so many of the seeds of the dark are sprinkled into the jokes. So the subject of a mother's love is a joke at first. It's like, hey, you think your mom loves you when you fart? Like, ah, farts, <laughs> right? Am I right? Farts. <laughs> uh, and the fact that it never goes away and it only deepens, but the seed is planted. Like the, the bits are there at the beginning if you're paying attention. And so often that is how humor functions. We're papering over something that we're uncomfortable talking about, or we're trying to put a brave face on a real pain. Um, I feel like that works on two levels in this poem. It really does ratchet up the tension in the voice. And it also puts that layer on top of the hurt, which is so true to life. And it makes the voice feel realer because it's doing something that we ourselves often do. Yeah, no, exactly. One thing I also love is, uh, which I think is kind of related is like the, this part, um, <clears throat> sometimes parents and children become the most common strangers. Eventually a street appears where they can meet again or not. And that I thought was great because it's very, the voice's flippancy allows it to actually be like super self-aware. Um, Cause on the one hand, I feel like a lesser poem that move that line would end the poem. Eventually a street appears where they can meet again, where the street, which had before been a literal, just like thing to talk about becomes like the metaphor where resolution can happen between the mother and the da da da. Um, but the poem is not satisfied with that. And also is suspect of its own like poetic tools, which I which I think is funny, um, but that that um, cut is allowed to come across naturally because it makes sense that the poet would just be like, or the speaker would just be like, or not like that kind of like yeah, it's like uh, kind of thing, um, and and that yeah, and that actually you know also allows the poem to push even further where. There's kind of like, well, what if, you know, um, you know, you're not ever going to come to actual terms with your parent. You know, what if they're going to like stick with their like 
you know, intolerance and bigotry. And, you know, you can't do anything about that. And that those sort of questions, which are really poignant, um, do I have to forgive in order to love or do I have to love for forgiveness to be even possible? Um, and I think that's a really, those are really interesting questions and, and um, sort of can only come, I think, in a way that makes the deepest sense after we've taken all these little turns, heard the whole story, but also like had a moment where we thought we came to a resolution uh, and then we did it kind of thing. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously this is not my experience, but if I was writing a poem like this, I would 100% end it with where they can meet again because I'm not as good a poet. Uh, <laughs> Because what the, the, the what the or not then opens up is also all of this reflection on the part of the writer, which is saying, I've doubted my own love for my mother. It, it's another level of contemplation than where the poem has gone so far. And it's a valuable and interesting level that really adds a whole new dimension to what the poem is addressing. And it goes into this really incredible section, as you were describing, about like, what does it take to forgive? What is there any work that's incumbent upon me to do? Like I didn't do anything wrong, but now I'm dealing with this. Like, do I need to forgive? How do I forgive? Why is this coming back on me when it's not my problem? Maybe I don't need to do that work, but maybe I value the relationship. Where where do I fall in all this? Is a lot of the questioning that goes on there, and that's again, it just feels so real because that's a level that we all reach at some point and it helps us as the stranger this individual has met to really get a much deeper insight into their thought process and really brings out something to connect with. Yeah, no, that's totally, that makes me think of that famous uh, Maya Angelou quote. Uh, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Um, Cause it is kind of like, and again, this is like another thing that I feel like poems are perfect for because it's just this one voice that's longing for something and the other side isn't there. And in a situation where the other side is resolute in its whatever it is, in this case, like, you know, um, non-acceptance, you know, what are, what are the, what is the poet, what is the speaker going to change about the way that they're thinking about the situation, if the situation itself can't be changed. Um, and I think that's, that's really powerful. Um, and I think really like a thing that uh, poems, I think are really good at because what things that are larger, like fiction or movies is all about, well, what can change in the situation? And that's where the excitement is. But a poem is often about well, here's the situation. It is what it is. And, and the tension is how am I going to, you know, deal with it or think about it or explore it. That's an excellent point. And as you pointed out, this is a poem that does that poetic operation so incredibly well. It lives in this scene and really plums it for all it's worth. Yeah, I know. So good. God damn. It's, yeah. Um, and I, the last thing that I, is just, it's for me, I'm so impressed by it because I want to like, the danger of the colloquial voice in poems is that 
it takes up so much space. Like you have to waste seemingly so many words establishing this is like a loose diction because people just ramble and like people just like say random dumb stuff. That seems like it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and to be convincing in a colloquial sense, you have to perform that. And so the poem has to have that, oh, hello, and has to have all those like little like thought, like I'm afraid of jelly beans kind of thing. Um, but it's tough because you also in a poem want to be the most economical that you can. And so you don't want to waste anything. And so it's really hard, I think, to be this kind of casual and still be like potent. Um, but I think what's so good about it is that it, it uses the, all of its casualness for its potency, like everything that it seem is seemingly extraneous, it makes use of in a, in a different way further along. Definitely, yeah, it really weaponizes the humor and the voice and really uses that colloquial voice to amp up the humor which there's an explicit purpose to within the poem. It's so, so cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, shall we read it again? I think we got to do it. All right, read it again. Poplar Street by Chen Chen. Oh, sorry, hello. Are you on your way to work too? I was just taken aback by how you also have a briefcase, also small and brown. I was taken by how you seem secretly to love everything. Are you my new coworker? Oh, I see, no. Still, good to meet you. I'm trying out this thing where it's good to meet people. Maybe beyond briefcases, we have some things in common. I like jelly beans. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of farting, even around people I love. Do you think your mother loves you when you fart? Does your mother love you all the time? Have you ever doubted? I like that the street run is named after a tree when there are none, poplar or otherwise. I wonder if a tree has ever been named after a street, whether that worked out. If I were a street, I hope I'd get a good name, not Maine or One Way. One night, I ran out of an apartment down North Pleasant Street. It was soft and neighborly with pines and oaks. It felt too hopeful after what happened. After my mother's love became doubtful. After I told her I liked a boy and she wished I had never been born. After she said she was afraid of me, terrified I might infect my brothers with my abnormality. Sometimes parents and children become the most common strangers. Eventually, a street appears where they can meet again. Or not. I've doubted my own love for my mother. I doubt. Do I have to forgive in order to love? Or do I have to love for forgiveness to even be possible? What do you think? I'm trying out this thing where questions about love and forgiveness are a form of work I'd rather not do alone. I'm trying to say, let's put our briefcases on our heads in the sudden rain and continue meeting as if we'd just been given our names. Hey, 
everybody. This is Jack Rossiter Munley just saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of Close Talking. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or you can find us on SoundCloud. We are all over the internet. To keep up with poetic goings-on in between shows and to make sure that you get notified of all Close Talking news, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking or on Twitter where we are at close talking. My personal Twitter handle is at Jack Rossiter Bun and Connor's is at Hot Sauce Boxed. We would love to hear from you with any thoughts you have on this episode or any of our previous shows. Also, if you have suggestions for future shows, you can get in contact with us via Facebook or via Twitter, or you can write us an email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.